0: Welcome everyone. This is the Kalahari Yoghravis Extreme Marathon podcast channel. And this is the first of what we call our KEM Around the Fire Chats. I am Simone Bason and in this conversation we'll be introducing you to our new race director Russell Nugent. And we'll also talk a little bit about next year's event, KEM 2022. That'll take place from the 6th to the 16th of October and especially what you can expect in terms of routes and terrain. Now, many of you know Russell. Um, This is the crazy running junkie who is also an established optometrist and businessman in uh, the Northern Cape of South Africa. It's where the KEM takes place every year. And he also runs the energy running lab, whom a lot of you may know. Now, around the fire, we also have Estian Arendt. He's the founder of KEM and he was the race director for 20 years and more. He's also known as the Sandman among our KEMers. And we have Dallas Barnardu, KM second in charge en route. Welcome, gentlemen.
1: Hi Simenae. Thank you Simenae. Uh, how are you doing? <laughs> Seminar, I'll kick off basically um, just a quick little history. This event started in year 2000 after um, I participated in the Marathon des de in 1999 and decided we can do something similar to that sort of event in South Africa. These events weren't around in those days, like the hundreds that are around nowadays. We are the second oldest in the in the world to a Marathon disciples. We started with 16 runners in the very first one. How we ever pulled it off in those days, I haven't a clue. If I look at where we are today with this event, and um, everyone seemed to get through on the first one. We had runners lost. We had planes in the air. We it was great. It was great fun looking back. It was Nadia, my, uh, myself, and and Simon who have built this up over the years, as you know, the last twenty years, to uh, a recognised international event that many runners come to and and a lot of runners return to, which is a great. Plus for us is that a lot of runners do return year after year, um, not every year, but two or three year gap. And then we see them again coming to the event. Russell, do you want to comment on anything on the history or the past before we move on to sort of roots and, and terrain and stuff like that? Now, it's living in
2: Uppington, it sort of brings back memories. I remember I was in the Pick and Pay um, and I heard about the race, because I think Pick and Pay was in some way involved, whether it was logistic or catering or something like that. And the then owner of Pick and Pay, Jeremy Swart, told me about this race. And I said, yeah, I'm aware of it, but I think I'm too scared to run it. It sounds insane. And basically for the whole 20 years, I stood there watching it, trying to pluck up a bit of courage to go and run it. Um, which I eventually did. I'll I'll be honest, standing back in Pick and Pay, I didn't think I'd be where I am today or in the position that I'm in today.
1: Yeah, Jeremy was involved. Pick and Pay was involved in those stages. I think they started off with supplying the water before Aquila came on board with the water. Mm. And yeah, we've never really had big sponsors. We've been very, very lucky to have service providers and and people providing Mm. Um, equipment and supplies that, that basically will equivalent to, to financial sponsors. But the event has never had a financial sponsor. And that could be a good reason why the event did continue year after year, because we weren't on relying on, on sponsorship to keep running the event. We said in the beginning, Nadia, um, Simon and I, we said after five years, if this event isn't making money, we're going to throw in the towel. What, 22 years later, I don't believe it is still making money. But <laughs> that, that shows it's from the heart. That's where this event comes from. So,
0: Russell, you as the new race director who's, who's taking over, if you like, from Estian, because Estian, you guys are now in Italy and you're based there. Uh, but you're going to be at K M next year as you're going to try to be there. But, Russell, just your take on, on being in this position now?
2: So you know, it's a it's a, a daunting position. Um, I think it's sometimes I think it's an unenviable position to have to try and replicate, um, at the very least, what Estienne has done for the last twenty one years. So yeah, to say that I'm I'm nervous is putting it mildly. Uh, for the last two years, I think COVID for me personally has been a blessing in disguise in the sense that it's given me an opportunity it's given me an extra year to go <laughs> yeah. out and familiarize myself with things here um, and Estian can attest to this fact that I phoned I him in in a state of panic last year saying that the race is getting close and I don't have a route and uh, what am I going to do and he said to me well don't worry he he knows the area and everything so well I should just decide where we want to have the overnight stops and he'll He'll basically join the dots for me. So, so yeah, that's, that's where I am at the moment. But uh, COVID's giving me an extra year to find my feet and to, to put together something special for everybody in 2022.
0: Also, you and Dallas has done sort of reckeys now recently. So, have you got your plan ready for next year?
3: Well, there's plan A, plan B, and then there's Estian. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> there's there's always there's always me. Um yeah, yeah, I'm yeah in Italy at the moment. Um I definitely I don't think I'll ever not, not be part of KAAEM. We're not not on the ground um so much. We are definitely planning to come out in two thousand and twenty two and hopefully even participate. I have to at least get one one little trophy on my shelf there. You know, Dallas is going to have to get there sometime. Russell fortunately has, but Dallas is also going to have to get a trophy on his, on his shelf sometime. Yeah, his it's, wife it's... has done it and my wife has done it, so, so we've got a problem yeah. there. But, yeah, I will always be here for any type of advice, any type of help. Yeah, it's going to be difficult for Russell to do, you know, the root description for the logbook, you know, for the um, map book. Until he is that familiar with the terrain itself. You know, I, fortunately, 90% of that route, I can draw up those descriptions. You know, uh, the crew get cross with me because I tell them their checkpoints at that tree. And they go like, what tree? And I say, well, you know, the one on the road down there. (laughs) And unfortunately, you know, that's it. It's, it's actually quite scary in that I can look at a photograph of, of anyone running KAEM. And I've got an 80% chance of being able to tell you exactly where that photograph was taken. But that's 20 years of being out on that route and um, knowing it that well. So, yeah, I'll definitely always be be there in the wings to to assist and to make sure that the event runs smoothly.
3: Fantastic. Thanks, Is. I just want to give my little uh, introduction. So I met uh, Nadia and Estian when I ran the Addo trail run. Which myself and my wife bought from Nadia and Estian. And then Estian said to me, What are you doing? Do you have so many spare time? Come and help me at Kalahari Akhrabi's Extreme Marathon. Mark Roots and, and the short story is, this is where I'm sitting now on a podcast, one of the shareholders, but it goes a little bit further than that. Um, myself and Estian really have a, a tight bond and, I, all I can say to Russell is, if you're ever going to lean on somebody, it's definitely number one. Estian, uh, the knowledge is phenomenal. I've also spent a bit of time with Estian, and I'm, I'm sort of getting to know the lay of the land. But I think basically what I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you want to call it the godfather of, of the KAM, is still sitting in the wings, just smoking a pipe, making sure everything's running smoothly.
0: Now, guys, I'm excited to know what you guys are, have got in the plan for next year. And I think a lot of the newbie guys would like to know more about the terrain and the route and so forth. Um, Russell, what, do you, what can you tell us?
2: Yeah, well, Simona, I've, I've spent a, a lot of time sort of sniffing around and trying out and looking for new places, um, different places, different routes and things like that. And yeah, Dallas was with me here twice already. Mm. Checking out the routes and doing a few rekies and trail runs, trial runs, and and I think the class of 2022 will be in for a classic K A E M um, come October. And I, I know a lot of people their motivations for coming to the Kalahari are to run away from their demons or to to complete or or to do an event that uh, an achievement that's an achievement. So. So rest assured that the, the route is is not going to be a doddle and, and it will most certainly be challenging and it will most certainly at the end of it be an achievement. You, you'll be able to give yourself a pat on the back.
1: The route, yeah, when I plan the route each year, we use a lot of bits and pieces of previous years. Uh, KAM does change every year. We have a different route every year, which makes it entertaining for people that want to come back I, on a terrain like the Krabi's I don't believe runners want to run exactly the same route every year um, you know they get to know it and they'll get bored with it um, yes the bits and pieces of it are very similar it's the weather the weather as Russell and Dallas and anyone who's run KM know it plays a massive role in the difficulty or ease of the event um, if the weather is incredibly hot you don't want half your field dropping out no the results where 50 percent of your field are dfn um a dnf sorry <laughs> and uh you don't want that yet if the weather's cool you don't want people to say well i've come all this way i mean what was that all about you know it was it was just a doddle and and we just went for a run in the park So you've got to, planning the route, I've always tried to think, all right, if today's a killer hot day, is half the field going to drop out? And if today's a cool day, is, are the front runners are going to say, listen, that was just a waste of time. So it's trying to plan it that it's got a little bit of this and a little bit of that in it. That is challenging, no matter what the weather conditions, but not too challenging that the, the middle of the field and the back of the field just cannot uh, cope with it. Your your front five or six runners usually are not a problem at all. they professionals, they know what they're doing, and they can basically run under any conditions. They train for it, they know about it. The guys behind them to halfway are the danger zone on about day three. They take it easy on day one and day two. And, um, on day three, they think, nah, this is easy. You know, I, I take it easy and they, they let go with the throttle. And a lot of them sometimes come unstuck on day three because they are then going crackers and, um, the conditions, you know, get to them. Most of the field that get through day three usually finish the event. Other than injuries, um, blisters, infections and things like that. But not many runners drop out after day three through um, exhaustion or not able to cope with the conditions or the distance. So planning the route, always taking into account, you know, um, the front and the back of the field to make sure that it, as I said, it's challenging enough in cool weather, but not too challenging in hot weather. What I think um,
3: is probably one of the, the factors that you cannot control is the weather. So you could de- design a route, a Russ Estian, for anybody to finish this thing. But if you have extreme heat or extreme cold, the route doesn't actually matter then. Do you guys kind of agree with what I'm saying? So if you made it an easy 250 Ks and you had blistering heat, I think you're still going to have dropouts. So the root is always the root. It's the actual conditions over those five or six, seven days that are the the unknown quantity. Nobody can actually prepare for them, but you have to do your best.
1: You can't prepare for them as such. But as I said, you, you, you know, if there's five riverbeds in one day, um, on a blistering hot day, you're just going to kill the guys. The back guys are just yeah. not are not going to yeah. take it. So, you put in one, maybe mm-hmm. two. As I'm saying, in planning the route, you put some difficult parts into one day, and sure. not five difficult parts into one day. That's yeah. what I'm sort of saying about planning between hot and cold weather. Yeah,
3: yeah that's kind of what mm-hmm. I'm saying is the route will mm-hmm. always be relatively manageable by anybody, but it's the weather could change yeah. and that could be the difference.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think the challenging thing as far as the route is concerned is, is it's not a technically chale- challenging course for anybody who, who'd be wondering in that regard. Mm-hmm. They're not thousands of thousands of meters of vertical ascent. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of boulder hopping. There's not a lot of technical stuff. But what challenge, what's going to challenge you is the environment which is unique to the Kalahari. Mm-hmm. You're going to have sandy riverbeds. You're going to have long distances and then you're going to have heat of the calari and even on a cool day it's going to be hot
0: yeah but that's actually also what makes calario so nice is the diversity because in one day just in one day even on the shorter days you have the you know three four different terrains that you go through and i think that makes it easier for your slower runners um, because you know some people struggle with climbs, and and other people find it easier. And then your longer stretches are there that you've got a little bit of harder ground, and then you get your riverbeds. But every day has got that diversity, which is
1: great. Mm. Yeah, Simon, um, it's K M is is a very doable event for anybody who has trained and who is fit enough. You don't have to be a super athlete. You just have to have your body must be used to travelling that type of distance per day, and is management um just manage as I keep saying at the briefing is is managing your eating managing your your liquid intake and managing your feet at your feet you run on you know and if yes. if you are fit and you manage those three things properly, you will get through k a e m and most of the dropouts as i said between in the first three days. Are people that aren 't managing that properly they're either running too fast they're um they're running over what they should be they 're not eating properly they 're not drinking properly you know um most of the problems are arisen from you know lack of proper management to within their own ability and yeah it's it 's a very doable event for any novice who wants to give it a go it 's very very doable and um as you say, as you know, a lot of, probably from about two thirds of the field, people mainly hike it. You know, there is far more walking than actual running and they hike along, form little groups and chat along and they run checkpoint to checkpoint, which is between eight and 10 Ks and get from one to the next and entertain each other and just, um, just hike it. So it's a very doable event to anybody who's thinking about doing it. Like Russell says, he was dead scared to do it. But then Russell's a, a racer. He runs and he, he races through events. So yeah. I would hate to try and race KM, um Maybe in my younger years I may, I may have tried, but we didn't have these type of events when I was performing mm-hmm. on, on that sort of level. But um, yeah, I, I'd be scared to actually try and race KEM, it would terrify me. So the guys <laughs> who are racing it, I admire them and um, I respect them a hell of a lot because no, I'd hate to have to try and run in that terrain and those conditions.
3: That's fun I'm going to ask you a question. I've never run mar- marathon disables right? And from what I can gather, it's basically a straight line. You start at one point, and you're just running from camp one to camp two mm-hmm. to camp three, and it's sand, sand, sand.
1: Mm. Well, the, the year I ran, I okay, ran so one. It changes every year, yeah. but okay. it, it's not it's not like KEM as you say. Um, your your map book isn't a case of follow the markers. You've got a hill mm. um, over there in the distance, and Run to that hill. You know what I mean? And there's a little flag at that hill. So you run straight. It's not only sand. They have sandy days, and um but it's pretty, pretty bland. It's not your, your scenery okay. doesn't change like like a does. A hrabies, you can be in vineyards, you can be in hills, you can be in river beds, and there it's it's mainly mm. desert, more more real real desert. And not all desert is sandy. Desert is just no. Mm. No, uh, And I think, um, I think that's
3: the point that I'm trying to make that if, yeah. if, if any, anybody's out there that's going to listen to this podcast, if you've run marathon disciples and you're thinking of running somewhere that will m- maybe just prick your spine and, and, and just change your mind as to running a different race in the same that it is a seven-day self-sufficient race, I think Kalahari is what you are looking for. Um, the terrain is vast, sure. it's different, it's not boring, it's not day in, day out, straight line. We, Yeah, Um, if I, if I can say, I mean, I haven't run it yet, but I've been around the course and for me it changes every year. And
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, Dallas, what you're saying is 100% right. Anyone out there listening to this who's thinking about coming to KPM or has done um, MDS, it's very different. It's different in that mm-hmm. terrain changes from hour to hour, the, the terrain changes. And, um, you know, with a small, with a small number, it's far more personal. You get to know people. Yes. Um, yeah, you get to know just the front runners, Anyone. the front runners interact with the person who comes in last. Everyone definitely interacts with each other and there's no, it's a very different experience. the the, the format, as far as distance goes, as far as kilometers and as far as days and checkpoints go, the format is the same, but it's a very different event. I think if I can sum it up very quickly, K A M
3: is if you went to any form of military service, you were just a number. And I think MDS, Marathon Disciples, you're just a number. Whereas when you go to K-A-E-M, you're not just a number, you're a personality and you will... Definitely add value to everybody around you on that event.
0: Yeah. Russell, I want to ask you one question, and that's the long day. You don't have to give us the exact distance <laughs> now, but, I mean, just we want to know a little bit about that because it's it's really daunting, especially for us slow runners. And then the other thing I want to ask you to elaborate on a little bit is the campsite because the one great thing for me also is that we run the Kalahari Next to the Orange river, or very close to the Orange river and and we then camp from time to time next to the river, so
2: as far as the long day is concerned it it needs to be a daunting day. it needs to sort of worry you for those first three days as to what's lying ahead.
0: But, I actually tell everybody a... different, but yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it kept me awake until it was so <laughs> so so yeah that's a it's a daunting day, and don't let anybody else tell you differently. But once you've got through that, then you think you're invincible and you're bulletproof and, and the race is done. You you There's no way that anybody's going to get you to not finish them. So, and as far as the route and the terrain and that kind of thing, I think the distance is challenging enough. So it's not going to be a particularly difficult day as far as terrain is concerned with. With thousands mm-hmm. of meters of ascent and things like that, so it it will be it will be a mental thing to get through. But it's uh, like a wise STN once told me, "You just run from checkpoint to checkpoint. There are like nine of them or something like that, and, <laughs> and then you're done. So you sort of count them down, <laughs> and they they go they go quicker and quicker. So um, I do that. So, yes. Yeah, and then and so just do that. It's easy. And then um, then the the other thing, the other unique thing about the long day is that you will be running in the night. Even if you mm-hmm. think you are the fastest runner on the planet, we will make sure that you be running in the night. Um, fortunately, it's it's around the time of the full moon. So that, that's sort of got its own unique appeal. Um, okay. and, and you you start thinking that all these little yellow dots are predator eyes and things. And they could be, you know, I mean they could be leopards and things looking at you. I'm just, I'm just kidding, but, um, but yeah, they're, they're, those are kind of the unique experiences that that'll make the long day special to you, for you. And I know I started off saying that it's a daunting day, but it's when you look back on it, it's probably the most rewarding and the most enjoyable day. There's no rush; you've got until the next day to finish, so you will get through it, um, and you will you'll have fun doing it. You'll meet a lot of people like Eskyn said, little groups form on the road and they carry each other through. So it's a, it's a fantastic experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry too much about the long day, um, or yeah, maybe a little bit, but, but uh, look forward <laughs> to it.
0: I want you guys also just to tell us quickly about the markings, that the route is marked and that it's really very difficult to get lost.
2: You've always, you've always got some gems, that will do their best to get lost, but on the whole, the route is brilliantly marked. Um, and I'm notorious for, for paying little attention to race briefings and going entirely on the way the route's been marked and, and the route is comprehensively marked. Mm. So there, there's really no excuse, unless you've got your head up your bum. Yeah. Um, but there's no excuse for, for getting lost on the route. It's, it's well marked. So really, you should, uh, worry about your running. You'll, you, you'll find, you'll find your way out. And you also have
3: a, a detailed, um, roadmap and book. Right. That, uh, yeah. that, you know, if you, if uh, yeah. you, if you think you've gone wrong, refer to your book and then yeah. work it out from there. I mean, it's, uh, I've always said, you know, sometimes the guys pitch up there and they think that there's a white line that's pointed from or painted. From <laughs> checkpoint one to the end of the day, right. no, it's not. It's well you know, marked, but it's not road marked. No. So the, you know, just hold the, a little no, bit It's is so true. Mm, yeah. the,
1: the front five, six, you know, the professional guys in front, they rarely get lost. Very rarely, because they mm. sit the night before or the day before mm-hmm. when they're in, they study that route map book. They read yeah. it because they they cannot afford to get lost. They don't want to get lost because they're racing. It's the middle in the backfield, dawdling along, chatting, having a whale of a top. They throw the roadbook away because everything's marked so well. We don't have to worry about the roadbook. And about an hour of never seeing a mark, one says to the other, oops, has anyone seen a mark? And they go, like, no. And then, shall we go back? Mm, I don't want to go back. We've been there. We don't want to come back there. And that, that, is, that is the guys who get lost. Mainly, very seldom, the front guys get lost. Yeah, as I said, concentrating and, and, and paying a bit of attention you shouldn't get lost. You know, we've had, um, it's one of the reasons I, I barred the, the headphones back in the days is because people are not concentrating, they're listening to music and not listening to the t- terrain around them. It's caused a big, a lot of people are very anti it, they like their music, they like to to run with their music. But to me in the Kalahari is, is, is you're there to listen to the surroundings and I mean we had um, a lady get lost years back um, and the guys saw her getting lost and were shouting and screaming and she didn't hear because she had headphones on and if there's any danger around you as well you run aware of it if you don't if you if you're listening to music it's it's a contract yeah. but I felt quite strongly about sure. it and, and, and what what summed it up for me was that incident in Australia where that girl got so badly burnt and she didn't hear the fire because she had headphones on, was listening to music. And she didn't hear the, yeah. didn't hear the fire coming and didn't hear people warning her. So, so, I won't, I won't hear the wild animals roaring either. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I firmly believe the event is now in, in, in very, very good hands. And I think we'll carry on once this COVID thing can go, go and kick itself up the ass and um, let us get back to normal. It's, the event's got a good foundation. We have a good relationship. We built up with the landowners in the area. And, um, Mm -hmm. that's also a very important thing is, is the land that we run on there is, is, is other people's property. It's the national parks. It's private farms. We have to respect them and we have to get on with them and we have to look after them if they're going to look after us. And yeah, I think, I think there's a great future to the event. It's 21 years Mm -hmm. old. And it'll keep going, and it'll still be one of the top events in the world. Anybody listening to this wants to come, come along and join us. And I may even be running next year, so we'll see. We're not running. Let's let's totally rephrase that. <laughs> I'm hoping to get to the finish somehow, either.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I want to invite everyone that's listening now. If you haven't done KEM yet, it is definitely the race that you have to do if you love nature and you love running, and you love a challenge, don't miss out on this one. in 2022 is going to be awesome. We are looking forward so much to this. We're definitely going to have it, COVID or not, we will have our COVID regulations, right? Uh, And we definitely will host the event next year from the 6th to the 16th of October in South Africa in the northern parts, uh, along the um, Orange River, in the Kalahari of Rabis extreme uh, um, region. So be there. And the, you guys that have done it before, we want to see you again. Please come and join us. It's going to be a big party. I just want to also um, say that we're going to have follow-up podcasts um, that will focus on feed management, uh, what you need to eat and whatnot, and so forth. So please look out on our Facebook page, which you can get it at Kalahari Okrabi's Extreme Marathon. And our website, www.kaem.co.za. That is where you need to go to enter. Just click on the Enter KEM 2022 and you'll be with us next year. Thanks a lot. Thank you, gentlemen. It was nice having you.
4: With a challenge to survive Even though I sometimes wonder what's on my mind The sand is like a sea Rough and yet serene And the sky runs up as far as the eye Near. I can almost taste the beer as I forge towards the end with quickened pace. And when all is done, I'll be happy that I've run. Now I've yearned for rivers, rocks, and sand and space. Cause it draws me back again. Draws me back again To the desert and the zen To the sunsets, rivers, rocks and sand and
1: space
4: You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.